0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August twenty 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. With reauthorization of the No Child Left Behind Act looming, what has the act brought? And what is the general performance of federal standards-based education reform? Neil McCluskey is a policy analyst with the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. Standards-based reform, he says, generally means a race to the bottom for government-driven education standards He says the record of no child left behind is nothing to cheer about. In your view, is there anything inherently wrong with what people refer to as standards-based education reform?
1: Standards-based education reform is well-intentioned, and it sort of makes intuitive sense. People say, well, what we should do is we set high standards for all students to meet, and then we require our schools to get there. So as a concept, it's good. The problem is standards-based reform never goes anywhere Politically, there's lots of promises, lots of rhetoric about high standards, but it's in the best interest of the politicians and the people who run the schools, who spend the most time lobbying the politicians, running PR campaigns about what should be done with the schools, it's in their best interest to keep standards as low as possible. So there's always lots of rhetoric and lots of promises to parents that we're setting high standards, and we're going to bring all children to those standards, but the standards they're setting are typically very low. So it's really a, kind of a con game. They tell parents, look, we're bringing all your kids, these high standards, to proficiency. They're going to be prepared for the 21st century and the globalized flat world. But while they're saying all that, in the back room, they're really making the standards low and meaningless. So ultimately, what's wrong with standards-based reform is it doesn't actually provide any high standards or real meaningful academic improvement. There has been some
0: good news under No Child Left Behind. Some states have managed to narrow their racial achievement gaps.
1: Well, there has been, as you would imagine, if you have 50 states, no matter what laws are in place, you'll have some states narrowing achievement gaps. Some will be getting bigger. Um, but, and we've had that historically before there was ever No Child Left Behind. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that when you don't know what the state standards are, are they lowering or they are getting higher, uh, are the gaps um, narrowing because kids are the, – the higher achievement kids aren't doing as well as they were before and they are bringing others up? Um, that just the fact that in some places the achievement gap is narrowing really doesn't tell us anything about No Child Left Behind. We don't even have any good reason to believe that No Child Left Behind is responsible for changes and gaps that are happening now. So while it's always good news when everybody is doing better and those who have been lagging are, are catching up, to ascribe that to No Child Left Behind, it just can't be done. And since we know that No Child Left Behind encourages the lowering of standards for everyone, it's still hardly a good reason to say we, need, we should keep No Child Left Behind around. States really like to be able to compare
0: themselves favorably to the to other states in just about any metric you can imagine, and that's often a difficult task when it comes to k12 education If nclB is not reauthorized, would there be some sort of vacuum in states being able to compare themselves to each other
1: mm-hmm well we've even before there was no child left behind there were state comparisons comparisons of state. Uh, Using the National Assessment of Educational Progress, since the early 90s, states have been able to look at their performance on these tests and say, well, how are we doing relative to everyone else? But you don't even need something like NAEP to exist. I mean, kids have been taking things like the Iowa tests and Stanford 9 tests um, for decades. Uh, And those were ways that you could look at States could compare how their kids were doing, and individual children could see how they were doing against the norm, which is these tests would take sort of a a sample, get an average, and you could see where your kids were doing on that average to kids all over the country. So if No Child Left Behind were to to go away tomorrow... You would still have the National Assessment of Educational Progress, and even if that were to go away, you would have the use of all kinds of standardized tests, like I said, Stanford 9, Iowa tests. You can look at the SAT, the ACT, all these things have been around for a long time. And what's really important is not even that states should be able to compare themselves to each other. I mean, with No Child Left Behind, they do that, and there's a race to the bottom to lower their standards so they all comply with No Child Left Behind and say, hey, oh, look how many kids we have proficient. Um, our concern shouldn't be with states, shouldn't even be with local districts. It should be how well are individual children doing? And our focus on federal laws or state laws always take us away from looking at how the kids are doing uh, to looking at, well, how's this district doing? How well are they gaming the system, avoiding real accountability and things like that? So we need to focus on What is the best system to get the kids the education they need, not what's best for state or district? In
0: lieu of NCLB, what structural changes to uh, education show some promise?
1: Well, what always shows the most promise is fundamentally changing public education to what it actually was for the bulk of uh, U.S. history, if you go back to the colonial era, era. Um, all the way up to about the beginning of the 20th century, and that is changing it from a focus where all the money goes to support public schools, a single system of schools, to where educational decisions are driven by individual parents who would direct either their own money or public money through tax credits or vouchers to the schools that offer the best product for their child and enables them, most importantly, to leave schools that are failing their children. So what we're talking about is school choice, making public education a system in which the public will ensure that everyone can access education, but the public doesn't run the schools. The parents choose the schools. And schools are run um, autonomously, so you can choose a religious school, uh, non-religious private school, parents can homeschool. In other words, you finally get a free market where the consumers, the parents and the children, the ones who education is supposed to benefit, have the real power, and we no longer just put the power and the money into the system whether it's working or not.
0: Neil McCluskey is a policy analyst with the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. His book, Feds in the Classroom, How Big Government Corrupts, Cripples, and Compromises American Education, is available at our website, cato.org.